We say goodbye to a frustrating season. Hello to a very foreign off-season feeling. But more importantly, it's the first ever Selby Awards. You're listening to the Selby is Godcast with Zach Meisel and TJ Zupi. Subscribe to Selby is Godcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Unbelievable. No one could be prepared for the level of prestige and honor that will be bestowed upon many individuals today. Something you want to tell your grandkids you witnessed, you were there for the very first edition of the Selbies. And this, we, we put a lot into this. I mean, we spend hours upon hours debating. More like a 10 minute exchange of text messages, whatever, it's fine. It's the first ever edition of the Selbies, and how else will you flush this season other than reliving it and maybe laughing at ourselves along the way? So are you prepared for what promises to be one of the most uh, honorable evenings that has ever happened on this show? Yeah, I'm glad I didn't wear a suit like I suggested we should do, since you showed up in a t-shirt. I didn't want to overdress for the occasion. I could throw a suit jacket over top. It's about all is fashionable these days, right? Just throw a suit jacket over the t-shirt and then I look like some dot-com. No names. <laughs> no, I, we put a lot of effort into this. I think we're prepared to have fun with today's show. At least I hope. I hope everyone here is going to join us in having that fun. So are these your... Typical categories like top <laughs> offensive performer, best pitcher, oh, yeah, that's best exactly. moment. Yeah, that because if people listen to this show, they know that's the that's just what we do. Along with the look, if we had a playoff series to preview, what would we be doing today, Zach? Oh. Position by position. Have you seen any of that? Have it, has anybody used that to predict their playoff brackets? And if so, you need to tell us about it because we need to go find it. I need to I need to experience that because we don't get to do that ourselves this year with no guardians in the playoffs. Before we get to the awards, <laughs> yes. What do you think about the the playoff bracket? In what way? Like the well, it's just the American League is so wide open. I mean, I don't think these are the big bad Astros of years past. They're still dangerous, but I mean, it, it's there are six teams, and like you can pull one out of a hat. I don't, I don't know how you feel confident in any of those six well, and their the, path to the World Series. And then on the National League side, it feels like it's the Braves and everybody else. True. Yeah. Well, depending on how this goes, maybe we'll we will just draw the names out of the hat to predict the playoff field. Or where's Young Meisel to come crawl to? Now he's walking. It's it, the the thing is gone now. The magic is gone. He can't crawl to go pick the playoff bracket. Now he's walking. He's probably talking. He's probably doing math equations and teaching you about how to to code properly and, and set up Facebook or Facebook fan graphs queries. So we can't do that anymore. But there's always Linus. Linus could always help us out. And that's about the amount of brain power we put into these awards. But I cannot wait to get to them. Yeah, I wish... I probably should have my son fill out my MVP ballot because that 
That was a process. Uh, just brutal. I think I'm going to request to not have an MVP vote anymore. Oh, we'll get to that coming up later this week. I think we, we want to walk through. I mean, you can't reveal your votes, but I do want to walk through how you sifted through that, what the thought process was. So we'll get to that coming up later this week at Patreon. And before we go any further, we want to thank you for being here all season long. I know the season wasn't always fun, but doing this show continues to be a lot of fun and hanging out with you guys in the Discord and over at Patreon. So much fun. We appreciate all of you. And we reiterated every offseason, we're not going away. No, we're not. We're not going away. And Patreon is where you're going to find us every single week. We will have new episodes there. Every other week, we will be back here at Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and everywhere else you catch your podcasts for the free ones. So you're going to get your off-season content, whether you like it or not. And depending on how this goes over the next 20, 30, 40 minutes, it may determine whether or not you stick with us in this off-season. But we have delayed it. I can't delay anymore. It is time for, my friends, the first edition of the Selbies. Goodness gracious. Do you watch award shows? I do not. <laughs> I don't either, because I don't know celebrities, because I don't watch movies. But I don't remember. I, I have one award show memory that I love, and it's, I don't remember if it was which show it was, I feel like maybe it was the Oscar. It couldn't have been the Oscars. Little Bow Wow. Remember him? <laughs> I think his real name that yeah. he goes by Yes. now. Because then he went by Bow Wow. I think it's like Shad Moss, maybe? I, I might be wrong. Um, Wait, if that is was actually hosting... his name, his real name is so much more badass than his stage name. Roll with the real name if that's actually his name. What are you doing? He was on the red carpet duty, and then there was like the countdown in the corner of the TV screen. I don't remember if it was... What else? Could, oh, maybe it could have been like the Grammys. Maybe the Grammys. Um, And it's like counting down. It shows there's like a minute left until the show starts. But somehow the time got lost in the game of telephone between the producers and the directors and Chad Moss. I God, I hope that's his name or else this is embarrassing. Um, and so he, Lil Bow Wow thought that the show was starting. And so he points at the camera. He's like, and it's time for the show to start now. And the camera just keeps Focusing on him because no. you see the clock ticking in the no. corner of the screen. And so then clearly someone tells him, hey, man, like, can you do that again? Because there's still 30 seconds left. So then he like plays off like he looks at his watch and he's like, three, two, one. And the show starts now. But there's still like 20 <laughs> seconds left. So he did it a third time. I mean, it was the most cringeworthy but beautiful um a war show memory. You're still talking about it all these years later. I know. What other performance do you care about this much? None. That actually is his name. Shad 
Gregory Moss. Whew. And if this doesn't also known tell as you, the frog on the show Mass Singer. How's <laughs> off season, Maiko? We're eight minutes into a show we promised to be very prestigious, and we're talking about Lil Bow Wow. That's my bad. I, I'm I'm supposed to keep this show on on point, and I have done a a very uh, poor job of doing that so far. So let's get into the first of the awards. Zach, I think this very first award is very important because it set the tone for the entire 2023 season. It didn't happen at the beginning, but it was the moment that we should have known. We should have known we would be sitting here today as we record this on October 2nd, not talking about a playoff team. And that is why this award is called the winner of the We Should Have Known How This Year Was Going to End Award. And it goes to a play, not a man, but a play. Jose Ramirez stealing home in a heroic effort in extra innings that should have clinched you the game. Instead, they blew it. <laughs> it went for naught. Jose Ramirez. Does the, does the audience clap for that? <laughs> Steal of home is the first, not only our first ever edition of the Selbies, it's the first ever award given out. Thank you. Wow. Jose could not be here today <laughs> to accept his award, so we'll do it on his behalf. Uh, favorite part of that? Probably the finger wag saying, no, I was safe. <laughs> Review this. But just the audacity, the cojones, the just like even to be so confident in your abilities to consider, hey, maybe I could steal home here, let alone with two outs, two strikes, a tie game in extra innings. I mean, it's it's I did a story like I went around the room asking players like, would this even cross your mind? What kind of player does it take to even have that thought? And everyone just said, there's only one player, Jose Ramirez. And there was the bullpen to blow that moment and give Jose this mm. award. You are next up. You are the now the second presenter of an award here at the Selfies. So I am here to Indeed. present the award for winner of the opening day catcher hunger games and the nominees are mike zanino in his role of veteran catcher coming off an injury signing as a free agent cam gallagher in his role of they tried to acquire him a few times when he was with the royals and they liked the idea of him as a backup catcher but who knew what he really would contribute and mabry's valoria who starred in the role of, I don't know, let's just add him to the opening day roster because <laughs> no one else is really catching our attention and we can figure it out in a few weeks. <laughs> and the winner of the opening day Hunger Games catcher oh, is... We've got props. In the envelope here. Oh, I'm excited. Cam Gallagher in his role of, they tried to acquire him a few times when he was with the Royals and who knows what he'll contribute, but let's just get him in here. <laughs> wow. Cam Gallagher. Amazing. Uh, could not be here tonight because he is busy starting over Bo Naylor inexplicably. 
Um, but it, his representatives actually did not want me to share this statistic that I found the other day and still remain stupefied by. Uh, players with at least 140 plate appearances and an OPS under 325. This is in all the major leagues, not just Cleveland. Ugh. This is all position players, not just <sighs> catcher. I'm <sighs> not ready for this. Cam Gallagher Ugh. fits that description in 2023, and the previous player to do that before him was Bill Bergen in 1909 for the Brooklyn... <laughs> Brooklyn Superbuzz. I'm sorry, what? Yeah. These are the seasons that we throw out when we're looking at awards we want to compare to previous seasons. No, we say those don't count. No, not in this case. This one counts. So we did see more history this year. Cam Gallagher survived the entire season on the roster and Ow. finished with a slash line of 126, 154, hmm. 168. I mean, that's that is a pitcher. No. That's a bad hitting pitcher. Like that's not, yeah, that's not even a good hitting, an okay hitting pitcher. That's a bad one. Oh, woof. Well, speaking of things that are hard to fathom when you actually hear them said out loud, let's present our third award here on the Selbies. And this one goes to a man that only spent a small amount of time with the Guardians this year, and his first taste of Guardians baseball is perhaps the worst taste that any fan has ever undergone. It's it's Lucas Giolito, and the award that he earns today is Mr. Two True Outcome. Because this man somehow struck out over 200 hitters this year, 204. He missed a lot of bats. A lot of guys were confused when he threw the pitch, and yet, 41 hitters, well, 41 instances, they weren't so confused because the ball traveled over the fence. And Lucas Giolito somehow struck out 200 hitters and allowed 40 home runs. I don't know how that happens in a season. And in some ways it points to maybe you want to see if he still has some semblance of the top of the rotation arm still there because you strike out 200 guys, it's hard to do that by accident. But it's also, like, I, I agree with bad luck in home runs. That stuff tends to even out over time. 41 home runs? <laughs> I don't know if you, if you bad luck your way into 41 bombs. What was this season? What was this display in the brief time he was here with Cleveland? But it earns him a Selby Award. I remember when they announced the 200th strikeout on the... Press box PA. Oh man, do I have a stat for you? I'm full of them today. Uh, I, I did a double take. I looked up at the scoreboard because I that was shocking to me. You know how many pitchers in major league history have struck out 200 batters in a season and allowed at least 40 home runs? Uh, two. No, I, four. I would have guessed 30. Four <laughs> ever. And they're good. When you bring it up, I figured. 
Lucas Giolito is the first pitcher to do it since Jack Morris in 1986. Burt Blylevin also did it that year when he allowed 50 homers, the record. Phil Necro did it in 1979. That's it. Those are those are some good players. Good pitchers. In fact, that's well, one, see? two, that's three Hall of Famers. That speaks Lucas to what Giolito. I'm saying. It, it speaks to what I'm saying. <laughs> Maybe you want to see this through a little bit longer. You want to bring him back because, to me, the 200 strikeouts still says more. I can't believe I'm going to make a serious take now. <laughs> the 200 strikeouts still says more to me than the 41 home runs allowed. Does that Can that even possibly make sense? To me, if you strike out 200 guys, that, that says more about your ability than the fact that you gave up the 41 home runs. That yeah. there's, there's still something good there, and you're not – you're not even close to getting there all the time, but it's in there and you're still fooling guys. So how do you maximize the strikeouts and turn down the home run settings? It's a fascinating case. And I'm curious what his, what happens to his free agency because he's not going to get this big multi-year deal, but teams are going to see those 200 strikeouts. They're still going to see that he does miss bats and probably I would imagine bet on a little bit of regression when it comes to those home run balls. All right. You ready for the next award? Am I ready? I asked... Born ready. I asked Kareem Garcia and Jerry Sands if they could (laughs) present this one. This is the award for the five years from now, we'll say, wait, that guy was hitting cleanup? Award. Uh, Jerry Sands and Kareem Garcia did not respond. Let me open the envelope here. And the winner of the five years from now will say, wait, that guy was hitting cleanup award is Ramon Cole Moria. Calhoun. Oh. 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 Who would have guessed, right? <laughs> We've said that all year long, if I would have told you. Um, but that one, especially when you look at his final numbers, because they're kind of ugly. Um, but... Cole Calhoun went from Oklahoma City to Cleveland, and I don't know, he was kind of a fan favorite there for a minute, and then the final slash line is 217, 282, 376. Yeah, Remember, we were, of- we were having conversations of like, should they bring him back next season as a bench piece? And um, I don't think that's going to happen, but they liked him. Good in the clubhouse. Will Brennan looks up to him like a father. Um, and... He did help. He played a role, but it fizzled kind of quick. Because this is what we do on this show. At some point this offseason, do not start listing the names because we've got a lot of time to fill between now and opening day. We're going to go through and list all of the guys that have hit cleanup for this team over the past decade, and it's going to be a fun, mm. excruciating exercise. Don't start doing it now because I know the wheels are already turning. Do not do it now. Start thinking about it. All right. The next award. When this season began, I don't think fans even really thought about this man much. And yet by the trade deadline, when he parted ways with Cleveland, it signifies the punting of a season. Fans went from, we don't even really like this guy. Well, it wasn't even that. We don't even think about this guy. It's that meme from... from is it uh, Mad Men? I feel bad for you. I don't even think of you. What is that? Okay, I don't know. Whatever that meme is. 
Aaron Savali is this next award winner, and it is the winner of the How Did You Net the Guardians Their Best Pure Hitting Prospect Award. <laughs> How did In that happen? In what universe do they announce the winner of the award before the award? I don't watch award shows. I don't do this. Can you imagine if they were just like, <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, by the way, he won Best Actor. It would, it would probably be more watchable. Aaron Savali gets it. It would be fun. Then you have to guess, like, <laughs> are they winning best actor? That's, are they winning? Yeah. Maybe I had to do that. I'm going to tell you what the player is, and then you'd have to tell me what award I'm giving them. How did Aaron Savali get them? Kyle Manzardo, who we are, I mean, you, you want to stop yourself from saying this guy feels like a little bit of a savior for your offense next year because, oh, I don't know, hitting prospects, any prospect. There's a long list of guys that they all we all felt like they were going to show up and be great from minute number one, and they weren't. Some of them pan out, some of them don't. But it's still... No, they all did. They just did for different teams, like the <laughs> well, Rockies and the Reds I'm, I'm talking and the about, and the Rays. I'm talking about all of baseball, not just with Cleveland. Putting that much on Kyle Manzardo feels foolish, and yet I'm thinking, like, the better feelings I have about this offense, it's not all tied to Manzardo because it's going to still come down to needing to get something done, particularly particularly in that outfield. But Manzardo feels like it's a nice thing. It's not just even in the back pocket. It's a it's a thing you're kind of counting on for him to, to be a big part of this offense next year. We haven't even seen the kid play at the major leagues at all. It's weird. Like, there are... I'm really intrigued by him, by Brito, by DeLauder, by Valera still. It feels weird to be excited about the hitting prospects given the last calendar year and given the fact that it's usually we're justified in being excited about pitching prospects and the fact that all their hitting prospects they dealt away to other teams and they thrived. But maybe that means that they do develop, you know, maybe they did develop Nolan Jones and Will Benson and all those guys. It's just they got rid of them too soon. So maybe they're, maybe they'll do the next wave will come up and they'll thrive too in Cleveland. Or maybe not. All right. This is a pretty easy award here. Um, this is just, I don't even need the envelope. This is the team leader in OPS. That's oh, all. That's easy. Minimum plate appearances, zero. <laughs> Wait, hold on a minute. That's not how that works. Yeah, because that's not fun. I mean, who cares? Okay, Josh Naylor had an 842 OPS. Bo Naylor, by the way, 809. Would you have predicted that on June 30th? I mean, I did lay the groundwork for suggesting he might be the better Naylor hitter, so... <laughs> All right, proceed. But if we remove plate appearance qualifications, the winner of the team leader in OPS is... Zach Collins. What? 1.167 because he went two for four with two walks <laughs> in a very brief showing. He, what a weird year for him. Period. Started by accidentally using eye black instead of chapstick when I was talking to him in spring training. Um, mis mishearing me, I guess. And when I asked him for his best heckling experience, he told me about some hazing ritual with the White Sox that 
never going to write about. Um, and then he was absolutely unconscious at the plate for the first month or two in Columbus. And people were begging for him to get called up because Zanino couldn't hit anything. They never played Valoria. Gallagher was a defensive catcher. And then he went ice cold for like two months. And then they called him up. And he was here for like three days and then DFA'd him. It's crazy. I mean, we, we, I think we forget year after year how many catchers a team goes through. Because even if you have a really good, reliable, durable starter, it feels like there's just that churn in the backup spot, right? So, like, I feel like we list them every podcast. It's We mention George Gutierrez and Brett Hayes and Rene Rivera and Wilson Ramos. But, I mean, this year alone, aside from Bo Naylor and Mike Zanino and Cam Gallagher and Mabry's Valoria, they had Eric Haas, Zach Collins, David Fry. So, it's a busy position. You have to have some depth there. And in Zach Collins, they had the depth of a guy with an 1167 OPS. <laughs> It's, it fits the mold of the looking at the back of the baseball cards someday and going, why why didn't he just keep playing? Doesn't make any sense. There are so many guys where that happens. Where you, you look at them and you think, the team they were on, they, didn't, they weren't curious at all? They want to see if that was going to continue whatsoever? No, not when you had the guy that wins the Hunger Games on your roster. You're certainly not going to get rid of him. You want those Hunger Games to continue. All right, Zach, let me paint a picture for you. It's the ninth inning. Game's on the line. This team always played a one-run game, so it's probably a one-run game. Certainly hanging in the balance oh so close. It's probably two outs on the board. I want you to think about who's strolling to the plate. Not who you'd prefer to be having, having strolling to the plate, but... No, who is actually strolling to the plate? And it's this man. The winner of the next award we're giving away here on the Selbies. Something I like to call Mr. Final Out, Miles Straw. Come on down. You've earned it, pal. If it were a case where... <laughs> a case where... This is Miles Straw's first career Selby. <laughs> where you could paint some picture of... He's better with the game on the line. I know what the stats say, but he's got the skill set to succeed in these sorts of situations. He's got ice water in his veins. How did this man find his way into so many high leverage situations? I'll never know. But it gets even funnier or just completely tragic when you look at these splits of his results in the certain situations. Low leverage, this guy had a 93 WRC+. Plus. 7% below a league average hitter in, in what is termed low leverage, in medium leverage, semi-important. It's a 59 WRC+. Plus. Ugh, it's gotten considerably worse. But it can't get much worse in the high leverage spots, can it? What do you think was higher? Miles Straw, his jersey number, or his WRC+, plus in high leverage situations? Doesn't he? He wears seven, right? Your memory would be correct. He wears seven. Higher or lower than seven? If you're asking me, I guess I'm going to go lower. Oh, you got it wrong, but not by much. It was a nine, WRC+. plus, A nine. Mm. A nine. It feels like it's out of black sheep. 
You 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 got a nine. With one seventy five. <laughs> yeah. One seventy five the batting average in those spots. Nice. So that's the man that was at the plate with every game on the line, and Tito said, No Zach Meisel. I don't want anybody else here in this spot. Forget Tyler Freeman. Forget David Fry. Forget Oscar Gonzalez, who might end up winning an award here later. Stay tuned. I want Miles Straw in that spot. Okay, well, that's what you got. A lot this year. So a league average hitter in those situations would be 91% better. That seems <laughs> hard to do. So you you know how, like, in the just the dead of winter, like if you look at the forecast and like one day the high is 12, the next day the high is negative two, the next day it's like six. And at that point, it's like, isn't bitter cold just bitter cold? Like there's you, the difference between eight and negative three is not, it just all sucks, right? <laughs> Like it's well, just it's all freezing now, you know, and miserable. Now that you're like I, I reached above thirty five and I just told people it's the wind that gets you. It's the wind. <laughs> so Straw's WRC plus you just said in those situations is nine. Cam Gallagher's for the season is negative seventeen. So like sure, Straw is twenty six percent better. In high leverage than Cam Gallagher is in any leverage. But really, like the wet, like winter weather, it's all the same. It's, it's cold. It's just brutal. It's cold. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Warm us up with a new award winner. I don't think this is going to warm anyone up because this is the Joe Borowski Go Grab Some Cigarettes and Liquor for this inning award. The nominees. Trevor Steffen for What the Hell Happened to My Splitter? <laughs> Emmanuel Classe for Oh my God, another infield chopper. Make it stop. Dude, where's my splitter? And James Karinchek for <laughs> James Karinchek for My ERA is only three. Why am I in Columbus? <laughs> and the winner is Trevor Steffen for his role in What the Hell Happened to My Splitter? <laughs> what's Weird mine say? Him. Dude, what's mine say? Sweet. If you look at the surface, FIP is fine, 356. Less than a hit per inning. The walks aren't great, but like they're not terrible. More than a strikeout per inning. The surface level numbers are fine. But man, he had some stinkers. He just had a rough finish to the season. And his ERA ends up at 406. And you just, you didn't feel confident. 
And what worked so well a year ago is, you know, the fastball was really his third best pitch. And he had good velocity. And when he was able to really command that splitter, it would just die when it got to the plate. And I think hitters thought it was his fastball and got a lot of swing and miss with it, and it was great. And the slider would go the other way, and there was just a nice mix there. He, he struggled to command it, it felt like, more times this year. And just, I mean, we, we've talked enough about the bullpen and his blowups in particular. We don't need to rehash them now, but because, like, only six home runs in 68 innings, it's it was rarely just like, oh, he gave up a blast. And it was like a lot of times just like 32 pitches and a bunch of hard hit balls into the gaps, and it's just ugly. A weird year. I don't know, like, where you... I mean, you have to bring him back next year. Yeah, Send him to a long-term mean, deal. I just... You should. I wouldn't want to go into next year banking on him being the eighth inning guy. No. Uh, Ronaldo Lopez. Excuse me. God, I got this cough, and I don't know what's happening to me. I don't know where they're going to go with that eighth inning. You're right. It, the end of the season really bugged me with him because there were, I would say, maybe two, three weeks ago... I thought he's pretty close to back, and he the numbers would back that up. He went through a stretch where it seemed like kind of getting back to where he needed to be, and then it all fell apart. And I don't know how much of it was confidence, but it certainly looked like a guy that wasn't thrown with much conviction at the end of the year. I mean, he just he he looked so upset with himself, so upset with the situation. He just looked like he was looking to the heavens. What do I need to do to throw a strike? I don't know. Like you don't know if the velocity is isn't what it needs to be because he isn't throwing with conviction or is he not throwing with conviction because the velocity isn't where it needs to be. I, this would be something I would like to see him work on to try to get that velocity back this off season. Cause really it was, it was so much better last year. I think he can still get by and be a fine reliever without quite where it was last year, but he goes from being like a solid sixth, seventh inning guy to being an elite eighth inning guy when he's throwing a little bit harder. And obviously then he can get the, the the hitters to to look foolish on those splitters down out of the zone. So yeah, I don't I don't think you can count on him just going into next year being the eighth inning guy. That doesn't mean that I've lost all faith. I think relievers this happens to them all the time. We see guys their their careers. Okay, so you're not one of the best relievers in baseball. Doesn't mean you're still not a very good one. And so I, I I'm still willing to bet on him figuring it out and being a part of this bullpen for the foreseeable future. It's not a case where I'm like, oh God, you got to get rid of this guy now. I don't, I don't think so. I, I, w- I will still take a chance on him being solid next year, but I can't count on him being my eighth inning guy. Cannot go into next year thinking that. I'm going to ask you to do it again, Zach. I'm going to, th- I want you to think about a scenario. It is, as you look to that calendar, you're waking up, you're realizing it's a day game today. You're thinking, what am I going to eat for lunch? <laughs> what am I going to eat for lunch today? Well, probably not going to be at the ballpark. Should I stop somewhere on the way? Maybe there's no pregame so I can go in a little bit later? What do I want to have for lunch? Well, you know what it's not going to be? Chick-fil-A, because it's Sunday. But when you look at that lineup card, you will see this name. And the award next up on the Selby's, most likely to play on a Sunday, it goes to Tyler Freeman. Congratulations to Tyler. I know this is a big award. Didn't get a lot of recognition this year and a lot of chances until Gabriel Arias was on the injured list at the end of the year. And 
Then he actually muscled up and hit some balls that were sort of impressive. Did he do enough in the last week to completely change your mind about what Tyler Freeman is? I don't know, but he to won a Selby. next year? He won a Selby. They should do the, like, it doesn't have to be Sunday, but like, what if, like when Mike Avilas was the utility guy, do you think they'd ever be like, hey, you're going to play every Tuesday and Friday? <laughs> Wouldn't that be beneficial to just have that? You just know. Regimented schedule. <laughs> you just know. It's in your contract on which days you have to play. And when the team tweets it It is out, incredible. I mean. They tweet it out and it's like, he, it's, it's Freeman Day. Yeah. He truly did play like every Sunday. It is nuts. The meme became reality. Like it was a meme because it was real. It was a true thing. Always playing on a Sunday to give, whether it was Jose a, a day off at third base <laughs> or sliding in because there was a lefty playing. So Jimenez would be, it, no matter what, it always worked out. And there was always Freeman in the lineup on a Sunday. So let's go backwards. October 1st, he started, played the whole game. September 24th, he entered late that day. September, but that's because he had played the day before. September 17th, played the entire game. September 10th, started, played the first eight innings. September 3rd, started, played the first six innings. I mean, this is this, this is unbelievable. Um, oh, math. August 26th, right? 27th, played the entire game. August 20th, played the entire game. Uh, Before that, he was on the injured list. So, yeah, I mean, so basically, over the final two months after he came back from the injured list, played every Sunday, started all but one Sunday. And didn't start a ton, so it's, it's, wow. In fact, yeah, let's do, over the last six weeks, he started... 17 times, and what, six of them were Sundays? Seven of them? Hmm. Doing the Lord's work <laughs> on the day of rest. Well, on the seventh day, God right. rested, but not Tyler Freeman. Not Tyler Freeman. It's now time to present the award for the... It's the Are You Sure You're Swinging the Bat with the Right Hands? award I guess it could go to Miles Straw or Cam Gallagher but the winner of the are you sure you're swinging with the right hands award is Josh Bell it just always looked to me like he had his hands on the bat backwards it's because he had this big uppercut and it just like looked awkward with his broad shoulders and it certainly when it he wasn't producing I think it accentuated the fact that it just looked uncomfortable so I felt like so what, the way he was swinging batting righty is how he should have swung lefty. Yeah, and the so way what, he was hitting lefty was how he should have swung righty. So what you're suggesting is I, I'm up here as a lefty and he's actually doing this number. So he looks like mm-hmm. a four-year-old who you're teaching to swing the bat the correct way. For, for I would hit like that sometimes <laughs> when playing in the neighborhood as a kid. And like, we let everybody play. So sometimes, like, I'd be 12 years old, and there'd be a seven-year-old pitching to me. So I would do that. What um, a guy! Is this before or after you told him <laughs> yeah. that Steve from Blues Clues was dead? 
Josh Bell. He's very much Big not, marquee signing. <laughs> we thought it was going to be such a great move. We lauded the front office. We fell for it. 233, 318, 383 slash line in Cleveland. Traded to Miami, where he ended up 270, 338, 480 slash line. Same amount of homers, 11 in Cleveland, 11 in Miami, despite 170 more plate appearances in Cleveland. And now the Marlins are in the playoffs. Maybe Josh Bell will be an October hero. An LCS MVP? Marlins got the pitching to do it. Now they got a little bit of offense, too. Some savvy moves made by the Marlins at the deadline. Give them some credit. Good good front office well, Don't they win there. the World Series every time they make the playoffs? So. <laughs> I think that's the stat. I like their chances. Yeah, maybe you want to go bet on that. Perhaps. If you're going to a playoff game, you're like, how am I going to get tickets? I know how you can do it. Zach, do you know the how you can do it? The award for the best podcast sponsor goes to... <laughs> SeatGeek, and you use the code SELBY to get $20 off your first ticket purchase. We didn't sell tickets to the Selbys. Perhaps we would, we should have. We could have had live studio audience reactions to our, our selections. Probably would have made for a, a more fun time, so maybe file that away for next year. You know, if we don't turn everyone away by actually doing this. Our next award... <laughs> I got this this line from Angels in the Outfield. You watch Angels in the Outfield? It's a baseball movie. I know it's not anything else, but it's still a kid's baseball movie. I would think there's a chance you've seen that. I have seen it. it, it it's been 25 years, so. Okay, well, at one point, there's the washed-up pitcher played by Tony Danza, and the the younger kid says, didn't you used to be Mel Clark? Yeah, yeah. Well, in this case, the winner of the Didn't You Used to Be Oscar Gonzalez Award goes to Oscar Gonzalez. Wow. Oscar Who were the other nominees? Well, there was uh, Oscar Gonzalez and then uh, well, Oscar Gonzalez. Then I was thinking about Oscar Gonzalez, so any one of those would have been a good pick here. Is that the greatest individual disappointment? I was thinking about this because we were talking about the Collins joking about looking at the back of the baseball card someday. You could look at the back of Oscar Gonzalez baseball card someday and you see this electric rookie campaign and he looked really good. The numbers suggest that he had wild playoff moments. And then he comes back the next year and he's He's dreadful. They were talking some on the broadcast. I think there's something to maybe he he did put a lot on himself, and he was trying to be something he was not, and then it completely snowballed out of control, and he desperately needed some confidence. But more than anything, like, yeah, confidence, but his skill set. We were still curious, even given what we had witnessed in 21, if that was a real thing you could believe in. We said going into the year that he's going to constantly fight this battle even if he's good. He could be five years in and never have a prolonged stretch of of struggling. And you're still never going to know if you can believe it because of that skill set. And it just, all of the negatives of this skill set were, were accented this year. It's like he didn't get a moment of 
positivity ever. There was no positive outcome to accompany anything. He got the worst of every outcome you can imagine with a hitter like that. And so what I was thinking is, does he? how do you give him another opportunity? Do you keep him on the roster? That is one of many fascinating questions. Like the front office has a lot of work to do and a lot of a lot of things to consider that I'm curious and they can't answer this cuz also like who knows. But you just let two outfielders go who thrived. And who knows if that's sustainable? Who knows if you'll end up, especially in the Jones burrito trade, like you might end up winning that one. But aren't you on tilt a little bit? Like, you're just going to DFA Gonzalez at some point this offseason? Like, there might be a scenario where that makes sense, but man, what if you just watch two guys go elsewhere and blossom? Like, yeah. There's probably more hesitancy to do something like that. Might not prevent them from doing it, but it's just, it's it's tough. Well, here's the dilemma for him. If I would have, at the beginning of the season, how many home runs would you have, like, what would you have set his over-under at? Uh, 15. Yeah. Well, he finished with two. <laughs> Uh, that was five walks. close. See, here's the dilemma. How does he earn his way back in if it doesn't involve everyone in front of him faltering? Because even if, let's say he goes, he's still part of this team, he's in the minor leagues next year, he starts raking down there. Like, legitimately, he looks great. Do you ever believe in it? Are you ever telling somebody no? Are, are, like Brennan has to be bad and whatever else they've decided to do in that outfield, they also have to be bad. And maybe even Manzardo has to struggle and maybe they send him to like, there has to be a lot of things. Valera. Valera. Yeah. There, there has to be a lot that happens in front of him. And I think the only way he earns another opportunity, speaking of Gonzalez is if there's a lot of injuries or just guys stink, flat out stink. And you are left with no other option, but to give him another chance because there's nothing. I don't think there's anything he can do except for if he were to somehow change who he is as a hitter. And the next thing you know, he's walking. He's got a double-digit walk rate, and the strikeouts are still down, and he's rocking a 250 ISO down at AAA, and you're like, oh, okay. Here's some tangible changes this guy has made. Something in his approach that he but has changed. But even that, the problem, and, and people have said this, it's like, you don't learn a ton from him mashing minor league pitching because it's all about pitch selection. Right. That's what I'm Plate saying. Plate discipline. Yeah. He has to change and at all AAA, of that. Yeah. He can be at AAA and, and put up really big numbers, but it doesn't really tell you the story. You know, those guys don't hit their spots all the time. So uh, it's tough. Honestly, the way he crafts a major league career is he goes to a team that's rebuilding that can afford to just give him 500 plate appearances and let him sink or swim at the major league level and he he swims and is able to make changes 
because he can play every single day up there. And the team that's choosing to do that doesn't care if the risk falls flat. Cleveland was kind of in that position last year because they had nobody else. And he, he got hot right off the bat, right? So, But you can't bank on that happening again next year. Tough spot. Tough spot. All right. The award for most commented on pregame routine. <laughs> the nominees are... Who is making the comments? Huh. Players, we'll get to that in the acceptance speech. My God. Oh, he's the here. The nominees are... He's here. <laughs> the nominees are Terry Francona for his crossword puzzle that he says, quote, I'll have it all filled in later, even if some of the answers are wrong. Terry Francona for his pregame card games and cribbage matches with clubhouse staff and players. James Karinchek for his shirtless yoga. And I think that's it. I'm trying to think if anyone else is a weird one. <laughs> and I think that's it. <laughs> Says the big I think announcer. that's it. <laughs> <laughs> And the winner Leonardo is... Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt. I think that's it. <laughs> hey, man, you're announcing the, the winners before you announce the award. Exactly. Like this you is rip some... me for that? I'm going to rip you for this. Yeah, come on, man. This is an award show. We put a lot of time into this. The winner is James Karinchak for his shirtless outfield yoga. James Karinchak, very tan. And also, like, ripped. The guy's ripped, but... Man, it was very... I feel like every single series, someone from the opposing team or media would ask about it. I mean, everybody on the Guardians, too, would, I mean, they'd make comments. And not, you know, it's, everyone does their own thing. But uh, he would just be outside in shorts at 2 p.m., five hours before first pitch, doing a headstand in left field with no shirt on. Good for him. Haven't really seen that before. Was he doing it in a timely manner? Took. Feel like he was definitely out there for an hour plus. Every would he day. Have, would he ever go to do a pose and then maybe step off, or maybe demand a new yoga mat before he could do said pose? Mm, I see where you're going here. Maybe flip the hair a little bit before going into that pose. And at the same time, no, where there you people, have, you you can't fidget. You got to be still. <laughs> When you're doing Warrior 2, right? (laughs) It's just anyone just circling him repeatedly, nonstop, just running around him in circles. Or perhaps in the shape of a diamond, because that's what we witnessed. Maybe more than anything else, his, his lack of an ability to hold... Okay, you walk a guy, you walk a guy. He walks a lot of people. He also strikes out a lot of people. And through most of his career, you lived with the walks because he could turn around and strike out all three guys. Well, the stuff hasn't been great, but I think it was still good enough to be a major league reliever. Maybe not the guy you want your eighth inning, but still part of your team. Fine. The problem with Karinchek is that he walks and puts a lot of people on base. And then once they're on first, you might as well put them on third because they're just going to take off. And the catchers, you know, I don't know if Bonella did a great, I, I haven't really dug in to the role that the catchers played in the running game. Guardians pitchers and, and some of their bullpen arms did nothing to slow the running game whatsoever. And Karinchek was the biggest 
violator of that. And it's the, you asked me several months ago to predict and a lot of guys, whether they'd be on or off the team. And Karen check was someone I said was off the team. And you're like, Whoa, I can't believe that. What is it? Because they don't want to pay him. No, I just think I said that. Yeah. I think you were surprised that I said off the team. Mm. No, we're going to revise history here. Okay. Regardless of whether you believe me or not, I think it's his inability. You can't trust him in the eighth inning. Because he's going to put a guy not only in scoring position, but probably 90 feet away from what could be the tying run. And I don't know 16 how... 16 stolen bases in 39 innings. How, how does he fix that? How does he get better at that? Because I just, I don't see a way that he's going to be able to improve that at all. He needs to, but I don't know how. Let's stick with the relievers. I'm going to leave my last award to be a positive one. So this one... One maybe you want to flush and forget. There, like Karinchek, are a lot of ways to prepare for a game. Maybe in the bullpen, before your outing, there are a lot of different ways you could prepare. I remember Andrew Miller in the playoffs, be the third inning, you'd see that guy doing the knees over the knees, running sideways back and forth, and the rubber band action. He's preparing, he's getting ready. Well, I can tell you the, the thing you don't want to be as a reliever especially if you're in the ninth inning of a lot of one-run games and you're a guy that does not strike out a ton of guys and gets a lot of weird contact, you probably don't want to be dealing with any sort of bad luck. And the winner of this award, which is, maybe your bullpen warm-up shouldn't include breaking a mirror and walking under a ladder award, goes to Emmanuel Classe. The Classe now, an outing that features two or more awkwardly hit balls that lead to a run scoring. Base hits and run scoring. I'm now terming that as a classe. Hmm. We got the Maddox and now we have the classe. I asked him, like, do you get mad? Because you give up a lot of bullshit. And he said yes, but he's worked on harnessing his emotions and you know, with the pitch clock, you also can't stand there fuming for two minutes. So, a weird year. He seemed kind of unbothered by it. I think he's confident he'll come back and be better next year. And I don't know. That's strange. I don't, I don't. You would think there would be some regression in his favor next season, just in terms of bizarreness, I guess. Um,. He also can find ways to get better, too. That's Yeah, just try to strike out some more guys and right. just hope Pretty the rest of, rest of it falls into place. All right. The Hey Bro, It's Gonna Be Okay Award goes to Noah Syndergaard. Yay for Noah. Hope he's doing oh. all right. Oh, yeah. Uh, I haven't really heard. Forgot anything about him since uh, Guardians DFA'd him. Boy, that's going to be fun. When we're doing this podcast in 2033 and your uh, Wi-Fi has finally just gotten fixed and Ethan's looking at Harvard or Yale and trying to decide where he should go and you're like, well, better get a scholarship unless we get another five Patreon subscribers. Um, we're going to look back and say, wait, Noah Syndergaard made six starts for the Guardians? That 
doesn't ring a bell. What a weird, memorable yet forgettable tenure in Cleveland. Alumni weekend. You think we can get him on the pod when he's back in town? <laughs> Have you ever heard a player sound so defeated after every outing? Even the ones where he would go like five and a third, three runs, six hits, like that were just fine. He would be like, baseball is the only thing I care about. And all it does is frustrate me. I, I you would I, be standing there like, oh my god, do you need a hug? Yeah, I felt bad. It's it's rare that you yeah. actually feel bad for a professional athlete because it's still at the end of the day, you're getting paid millions of dollars, and even when things are there's it's a struggle, sure, but there's always that, and you're still playing the kid's game. But there are those instances where I do feel bad, and I felt. Not only bad for him in those outings, but then trying to explain it after games and being brought out. And it's bad when, as journalists and reporters, and you're asking these questions, and you almost don't want to ask anything that's tough because you actually genuinely feel for the guy. And you know that he probably has no answers for what you're about to ask. It's some, something that he's asked himself a thousand times, and he kicks himself at night for. So, not a There's something really... I was going to say, not not a shock that it wasn't exactly a great tenure with Cleveland. And no, it had the Rosario trade had nothing to do with liking Noah Syndergaard or anything like that. It was just, this guy can give us some innings, and he, he filled that role. He actually gave them what they hoped for, which was a few innings. He was able to do that, so I think from their perspective, they're fine with, with what they got out of him. Yeah, there's something like weirdly fascinating about a player who, I mean, if you look at his career, like I think it was built up in at least my mind. I thought that this guy was elite for like three or four years and was just not the same guy anymore. He wasn't. I mean, he had a year or two where he was really, really good, but otherwise he was injured or inconsistent. And so he just, he got a taste. So it was almost refreshing the candor about the struggles and playing for so many different teams over the last few years and getting different ideas and different information and different suggestions from all these different pitching experts and it being too much overloading and him saying like, like it's, it's the, the fall from grace and, and the, the strive to recapture what you used to do, especially when you only were able, you were only at that level for a little bit. I think it's fascinating. It's, it's, you know, it would have been really interesting if he would pitch well here because I wonder if he'd be like, well, I got to stay here. We finally cracked the code and I don't want to go anywhere else. Carl Willis is the pitching whisperer and I need to be around him to succeed. I don't know that that would have been the case. Maybe he would have been too expensive, but He's searching and searching and searching for answers. So it's it's really interesting. Um, and yeah, his honesty was... I definitely appreciate that part of it. Oh, I just thought of it like the worst sitcom situation ever, too. Because you got... So imagine that scenario does play out. Noah feels like, I'm, I'm here where I need to be. 
I want to be with Carl Willis. I, I love what this organization is. I love playing for Tito. Tito retires. Here comes Craig Albernaz's staff or whoever. <laughs> and Carl Willis is like, hey, thanks. I'm going to ride off into the sunset. It was a lot of fun. And Noah's just like, wait, 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 wait. There was finally time. Poor Noah. I have one more award. Oh, you do? Okay. Well, I, yeah. have, I have one more as well. So here is my final selfie. Oh, go ahead. As you look at all these young hitters that have gone elsewhere and had success, and you look at the Guardians and their inability to, to consistently do that. Not so fast, my friend. My final award that I'm giving away here on the Selbies is the Hey, Wait, We Can Develop Hitters Look at This Guy Award. And it goes to Bo Naylor. Rolls off the tongue. <laughs> God, you are just insufferable today. Bo Naylor, who finished with an... Oh, God, I think I texted you a couple of weeks ago. This guy's going to mess around and get above 800, and it's kind of joking. Nope. Nope. He closed in on it very quickly, and the power that he demonstrated to go along with catching at the end of the year when he should have been wearing down and probably been worn out mentally and physically was not the case now does make it a little bit easier when you should be playing more and Cam Gallagher is stealing all your opportunities but Bo Naylor a guy that actually developed a little bit on the fly it's encouraging so much so that I really can't wait to see where he goes starting next year if this would I hesitate to say this was the starting point it only can, can get better from here but maybe but I think that he's laid a very excellent foundation from which to take off in 2024. So Bo Naylor, an actual good story for much of this year. It was like, where are the good stories? There's nothing to really latch on to. Yeah, there were some in the pitching side. Hitting-wise, no. But Bo Naylor gave us that at the end of the year. So thank goodness for that. If, if, if he would have had 500 plate appearances, he was on pace for about 30 doubles, 25 home runs. And like 12 stolen bases. Um, and you saw, I mean, he got better and better as the year went on. More comfortable, learning the league more. I don't know. I don't want to hype him up too much. I also think that the walk to strikeout ratio is going to improve over time because yeah, he's so yeah. good with that in the minors. Cal Quantrill said the sky's the limit for him. I think it's true. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if he'll be the best catcher in baseball. I don't know if he'll be top three, top five, top ten. I wouldn't put a ceiling on him. I mean, he's he's got such an interesting skill set, so well rounded. And I will keep saying that swing is just a thing of beauty. Mm -hmm. Feels like he has the right temperament for that position too. Like if he was Josh in Bo's body trying to catch, maybe that wouldn't be so great. <laughs> But it feels like he's calm where he needs to be calm and maybe funnels his energy into what he's doing at the, the plate. The other thing, just to wrap up on Bo, the thing that's encouraging, because it would be one thing if he just had this nice little power surge at the end, but there were tangible changes you saw this, this kid making at the plate. There were things that he was getting, like the pitches were attacking him in a certain way, and then he would get better. He would lay off certain pitches that he was making a fool of himself early on, and then he was starting to punish balls in certain parts of the zone as he was getting just more acclimated to what pitches were going to do to him. So I think it's 
not only the fact that the stats improved, but we saw tangibly approach changes and things that he would fail on early. He would make a point of not doing that a lot as the year progressed or getting better in certain areas that were flaws in his his swing early in the his promotion. All right, one final Selby. First of all, I just wanted to say thank you to everyone for attending the show or watching remotely. Um, you know, we hope we can put this on year after year. It was just a lot of great work by the Academy in putting this all together. I want to give another shout out to SeatGeek. And the after party is <laughs> it's going to be unbelievable. Discord. So we'll see you there. It'll be in the Discord. Patreon.com slash Selby is Godcast. Get into the That's Discord. Like the always party? Not yeah, the after yeah, party? The party never stops. Right. The final award of the night is the holy shit, that was this year you were DFA'd <laughs> award. And the nominees are Connor Pilkington, Tuki Toussaint, Tuki. And Zach Plesak. And the winner of the Holy Shit, that was this year you were DFA'd award is Zach Plesak. Hey, hey, hey. Zach couldn't be here to accept this award. That's but uh, his last start for Cleveland came on April 29th. Man. How? Seems like. So long ago. He made five starts, totaled 21 innings, 37 hits, 14 strikeouts. Those aren't the ratios you want. And then went to Columbus. And in Columbus, he logged 94 innings at a 6.08 ERA. I have a feeling he won't be in the organization in 2024. Mm. But he'll always have a Selby. He will always have a Selby. Will he be in Major League Baseball next year? So I feel like a minor league deal with a spring training invite? I mean, yeah, but I was also thinking, could he go overseas somewhere? Like, try to reinvent himself. Because wow. uh, it was a little bit shocking that nobody took, nobody wanted to give him a, a shot at all. And then we saw what happened to AAA. So a little bit surprising. Yeah. I mean, the Discord, it's an always party, but there were no parties being had, I think, on that particular last start for Plesak. <laughs> there were a few games that I actually recall. There was a Xavier Curry start where people were just really upset with Curry for whatever reason, and there was a Plesak start in early April. I, <laughs> I'm glad that that was on Discord and not on social media where just anybody could come across it because the, the hate that was flowing in there was uh, one that anyone should not uh, not go seek out, let's say. Well, this was a lot of fun, dude. Maybe. Actually, I don't know if it was a lot of fun. Some of what we revisited was not worth revisiting. But hopefully everyone had fun. It was fun. I think bigger and better next year. I think we should rent out the Dolby Theater. Hmm. Okay. Last thing, you were present for Miggy Cabrera's final game in Detroit, right? Still there. What were your takeaways? It was 
it was a cool moment, emotional moment, seeing Miggy, as I tweeted, very fitting to walk him in his last at-bat or last plate appearance, considering Guardians fans, Cleveland fans begged the Indians at the time to just put him on first base every single time. I remember this conversation Tito would have, well, yeah, but they've got Victor Martinez behind him. They got J.D. Martinez behind him. So he's putting him on first base every time. Don't know if that's smart. And yet he was such a good hitter that you still kind of thought about it. Yeah, you know, I was wondering, like, what's the best way to send someone out? Do you, because I thought they were going to pull him once he walked, let him have the ovation right then and there. But there had been talk. I think the Tigers people knew he was, they were going to let him play first base for the inning or a batter. Kind of like, remember when Jim Tomey came back and then they put him at third base for a pitch? Joe Smith was on the mound and they were saying, you know, we should have thrown something down the middle that they could bunt to third. Um, <laughs> Meanwhile, Jim's like, do not do that. Really do not do that. <laughs> uh, How about Quan? I mean, the fact Quan that Quan making Miggy work for it. <laughs> the fact that he hit it right to Miggy, like that was poetic. It never works. At, well, I mean, maybe it does, but it's just, it's. How could you not be romantic about yeah. baseball, right? It's not supposed to work so, like that, but it it does. It does. It was a perfect ending. It was very cool. Uh, I thought the the it was awesome. They had between every inning all weekend messages on the video board from Albert Pujols, Justin Verlander, Jim Leland, Willie Horton. I mean, anyone. With Tigers ties, with Miggy ties, just the best players in the game, it was well done. And it's crazy because like we get caught up in our own bubble where, you know, like last Wednesday night, like it felt like the Tito scene, like that was the biggest story in sports when like, no, like Jim Smith sitting in his living room in... Denver doesn't give two shits about that, right? But shout out to Jim. It was it was interesting because it was like it felt the same on Sunday where it's like, oh my God, Miggy standing on the field, hugging every single one of his teammates and coaches and his family members right now. And like them pausing the game in the eighth inning for 15 minutes. Like that felt like so monumental. But then you realize, wait, this is also happening in St. Louis right now with Wainwright. And it could have been happening in Cincinnati, but Joey Votto got ejected. <laughs> and so it's like, perfect. Like Buck Showalter randomly dropped that. Oh yeah, by the way, I was like kind of fired. <laughs> so it was, it was weird just how many closing chapters I think we witnessed on Sunday or, or that we witnessed this week. Um, and it, it's cool. Cause you don't really get that in the other sports. Like maybe in the NBA, you don't really get it in the NFL. Like, <laughs> I don't think, you know, like they're not going to, like if Aaron Rodgers is out for the year, like I don't think they're, and he decides he's going to retire. I don't think they're going to put him in for one snap in week 18, like just to, to get a standing ovation so he can walk off the field. So I, I you don't see that in other sports. And it's just, it's cool that baseball can do that. And I think it, you know, it's the history of the game is so important. 
with this sport. And I think it's one thing that they do well is just honoring the legends on the way out. And the, the great thing about Miggy's career is that, yeah, he was a fearsome hitter. But the way that he made you fear him was so, he's so different than a lot of really of those fearsome sluggers. And you think of Albert, Albert Bell in his prime, maybe kind of com- compares to, to Miggy, uh, Albert Pujols, certainly, uh, maybe Manny Ramirez for a time. We're thinking of those great right-handed sticks that we've seen. But Miggy was, he was on the next level because he could just outs- outsmart pitchers. And he could fool pitchers. I go back to that, I think, three-strikeout game against Danny Salazar, and he comes out with the fourth one and hits the home run. And you just think, did this guy on purpose? Nah, he didn't strike out three times on purpose. Did he? Did he strike out three times on purpose? And because of his personality, you never quite knew, like, you know, you don't know if someone's in on the joke or not, but you never quite knew if he was doing it on purpose or not. He... He was a guy that he, you didn't know how to get this, this guy out. It felt impossible. The only way he was going to get out is if the baseball god smiled at you in this plate appearance and he just hit it right at somebody. Because there are guys that you think, you know, when this big hulking slugger comes to town, oh no, you don't want to let him beat us. But there are holes in that swing. There are ways to attack him. There felt like no way to attack Miguel Cabrera. You just had to be hopeful that tonight was the night that he just wasn't going to quite square it up, that the only person that was going to get him out was just himself on a rare off night. Just un- an unbelievable hitter. And it's a shame like, he didn't get that send-off like Pujols got, where he was fantastic in his last season. Wasn't quite that good. But then again, the Tigers were secretly hoping that he wasn't going to be good enough to get some MVP votes and bring back that contract. <laughs> My favorite thing that he would do, and he did it up until the last game, is on his own check swing. He would point to the umpire <laughs> to, to make a ruling. Like there, nothing good can happen from that. If you don't point, they might not even ask him to make a ruling, and it might just be a ball. But he always, he was for he would beat the catcher and the umpire to the punch. <laughs> yeah, it's rare you see a guy demonstrate as much love for the game being as good as he was but it wasn't a question of is he doing it for a show he loved the game and that was it just radiated from him now most of the time as an opposing team you hated it god Miggy got us again but looking back on it you can enjoy those moments now and you appreciate those those are the types of players that grew the sport and was a phenomenal player to watch privileged to be able to watch it Makes you think about Jose Ramirez in the future. And does he have a moment like that in Cleveland? A lot of good stuff coming up this offseason. Patreon.com slash Selby is Godcast. We'll see you later this week. After party time. <laughs>